pickaxe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're tuned to Resonance 104.4 FM. This is One Life Left, and we're live from GDC. Good evening, it's One Life Left for the second time in one day, and this is One Life Left versus Gama Sutra. I'm Steve Curran. I'm Simon Byron. And I'm Anne Scantlebury. And we've got an amazing lineup today, and we should get on with it, really. Okay. So let's introduce our very, very first person, and representing Gama Sutra today, it's Chris Craft. Hello, Chris. Hi. We can't keep up the applause. Can we not? <laughs> Maybe we should just do one round of applause for all of our guests at the end. Okay. Not, not right oh, now. Okay. Depending, they may not be good enough. So, Chris, uh, thank you very much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Steve. Uh, you are welcome. Uh, what brings you to GDC? Just hanging out? Uh, just hanging out. Just um, cashing some, some checks and uh, snapping some necks. Cashing some what? I think you said cashing some checks and snapping some necks. Right. No, actually, actually um, Gama, Gama, okay, this is why I'm really here. Um, Gama Sutra is actually a, uh, a, a, a video game trade publication. The parent company runs this whole shindig. Wow. So that, that makes you quite important here, then, is it? Extremely. That's right. probably why he was cashing some checks yeah. and snapping some necks. What's the most important thing you've had to do today? Um, grab a turkey sandwich and... Uh, I do interviews and cover <laughs> sessions. Okay. You have been doing work. Turkey sandwiches are good, though. Yeah. So that's Chris Craft. And Chris, you're going to be joining us and in interrogating people about what the best sessions are, uh, what they should be going to see, what they've been talking about, and what, uh, you know, what life is all about, really. Are you happy with that? Uh, I'm good with the interrogation okay. part. I'm yes. good with that, too. So the first guest on our amazing celebrity panel today is Matt Bock. Matt is from Harmonics and has a title that is too long for me to remember. I am the project director of Dance Central. Oh, I was, <laughs> I've got <laughs> really poor memory. Yeah, well done. It's fine. Matt, are you having a lovely time? I'm having an amazing time. What is the best thing you have done at GDC? Oh. I just came out of a talk I really quite enjoyed by uh, Eric Zimmerman, uh, which I thought was some of the, the best discourse I've heard about games at the, uh, at the show. And, and we dragged you out of that talk. Oh, uh, yeah, I, just barely. <laughs> that's that's uh, exceptional. Thank you very much for coming on the show. And uh, we will be talking to you about, uh, about all those things you've seen, including Eric. You've seen many, many more things, I assume, right? I, I saw a lot of people singing. Okay, maybe we'll come to that later in the show. Second guest is Ian Bogost. Hello, Ian. Hey there. Uh, Ian, what is it you do? So I'm a professor at Georgia Tech, and I'm an indie game developer, and I also have a studio called Persuasive Games that makes games about social and political issues. So you do everything, basically. Well, and I write books, and I also mow the lawn. He only does everything. He's like, he's like the iPhone. <laughs> I can't sing. Uh, Ian, if you could talk to us about one thing today, what would you like that thing to be? One thing? Yes. One thing? Anything? If you, yeah, anything. Oh my God! This, this is a, a, a totally unconstrained. Really, this show is for you as much as it is for us. Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I think just as I've been wandering around the show today and seeing um, seeing some talks, I think one of the questions I've been asking myself is sort of what 
what is on people's minds, what's going on in their heads, what what is happening, what is kind of on its way out, what is on its way in. I'm not sure I know. Um, some JDCs, there's like a lot of trends, and you get a sense of this is happening, and I don't yet know if there's something happening or something stopping happening. So maybe today we can try and find out what the theme of this, this GDC there we go, is. The theme of this GDC. Okay. Uh, Chris, what is the theme of this GDC? Is there an answer to oh, it? Oh, wow. Um, I, I would say the, the, the theme is just... Um, uh, everyone, uh, all the smart people in the games industry, just like everyone get together and share the knowledge and the experiences that they have with Don't, uh, don't you guys usually have a peers. clever marketing line, like a tagline? I don't. Line? I am completely untrained. I'm off script. So what you see is we what need you get. to develop one yeah, today. Let's come up with one. How, how about uh, exploding brains? So this is is that a suggestion or a threat? <laughs> it's also the title of Dan Sex Game. <laughs> exploding yeah. brains, absolutely. So that voice you just heard was Daniel Cook. Hello there. How's it going, Daniel? Daniel or Dan? Uh, Daniel. Daniel works. It's okay. more, it seems sounds more sophisticated, but you which is a lie. You can't fit it in a high school table for Tempest. Or, this is very or true. Asteroids. Maybe you're true. not very good at Tempest. Actually, actually, I'm not trash talking. Actually, what I do is I, I say dank. Dank. Because my, my other name, a Counter-Strike name, is Dank the Sexy Duck. So, <laughs> D-A-N-C. So what is it you do? Uh, I'm a designer and uh, a co-founder of a company called Spry Fox, and we make uh, Triple Town, Steambirds, Realm of the Mad God, and Panda Poet. Uh, Triple Town. Triple Town is the one that I've seen that blowing up. Yeah, yeah. People seem to like it. They seem they're they're kind of addicted. It's kind of like heroin. So. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Yeah, exploding brains quite like heroin. Heroin, heroin. Could that be the theme of this this year's GDC? Um, it's a possible theme. There let's, was let's, one heroin reference earlier today. I saw at least one. Yeah. Yeah. Let's put it on the list. Heroin is a possible theme. <laughs> Maybe methadone. Writing it down now. Right. <laughs> it's a yeah. family event. We we did hear about a a game to replace smoking in the way that methadone replaces heroin. So, final guest. No, we've got an extra one on the end. Okay, penultimate guest uh, today, uh, Sarah Bryn, who is a curator. Sarah, what does that mean? Uh, It it can mean a lot of things. It means that I I put together art exhibitions focusing on video games and art relating to video games and other participatory practices. Um, It also means it's my job to initiate discussions with people about what art can be and how art can be more fun and playful. Um, what have you seen anything today, specifically around this table, specifically us, that you'd like to curate? Oh God, where would I start? The possibilities are endless. <laughs> I think they end pretty soon. <laughs> I think we'll find that out. So, Sarah, are games art? Uh, that's a really good question. I, I think it's some, a boring question. Some, yes, yes, it is. So it's, a, it's a question that's been asked too many times. Uh, some games are art. Not all games are art. End. <laughs> I think okay. I think Ian actually has a uh, program that generates art. So we can take the artist right out, of, uh, right out of the entire system, and you just generate art. Right. These are these are all. These are all questions that have been asked many, many times. We can ask them again if you'd like. <laughs> no, we're, no, we're all right, thanks. <laughs> on, the, on the very end, in a slightly awkward position, leaning in is Alex Wiltshire. Alex. Hello, Stephen. Is Edge art? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it? It's, it's a question that's asked too many times, <laughs> um, but it, it always warrants a lot of discussion. Uh, have you been busy today at GDC? Yes, I've been awfully busy, um, but it's been very, very nice. Nice, yeah. Nice is a bit of a. I, when people. I was when I was learning to be a writer, I was taught never to use the word nice. <laughs> or very. Times have changed. Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's back in fashion. Who taught you how to be a writer? Maybe uh, that's the theme this year. Uh, um, nice. Who's nice? Uh, no, that was uh, Edge's Tony Mott. Was it? Sat on his Our knee. game's nice. Our game's nice. <laughs> <laughs> Could that be the theme, Chris? Our games are very nice. <laughs> There's a it's phrase that I always theme. liked, which was uh, damning with Alongside faint praise. <laughs> nice is sort of in that category. <laughs> awesome. So that concludes our amazing panel. What a panel. Round of applause. Now, we're wary of uh, a round of applause because now people are looking at us. Yes. Uh, we should explain, we are on the show floor. Sarah's now waving at people who are emerging from the toilets. Um, yeah, and it's pretty busy. We've just realised we're at uh, session changeover time, so probably not the best time to... Well, yesterday yesterday we did the show from a closed room, and it was, it was fine, but we felt we needed a little bit more of a sort of living, breathing space, uh, which has also turned into quite a noisy space, yeah. and I've been wrestling with the desk a bit. Um, Chris, we should get on with talking about GDC, because that's why we're here. Yes. Ha, ha, 
we're coming to the end of the uh, the first day of GDC proper. Yeah, is that fair to say? Has it been a good first day? It's it's been a good day. It's been a busy day. I would venture as far to say that. Um, I've I've been to some some talks um, where people are. Uh, um, how about? Can I ask one of one of these experts about some of the experience that they've had at GDC today? We would love you to do that. Okay, so um, so tell us a little bit more about the talk. Uh, you guys went Ian and uh, Matt went to Eric Zimmerman's talk. So uh, what were some of the things that he talked about there? Yeah, well, so Eric's talk was about um, games as kind of treating games as um, an aesthetic form unto themselves rather than thinking that they have to be used for something else, so that these kind of instrumental instrumental um, tools for either for like, you know, learning or getting things done in the world, or like to to prove that there's this sort of purity of design, there's this there's this fundamental core that exists in games and, and design is supposed to express them. Um, it's kind of a complicated talk, a lot of different themes, but the fundamental idea that, you know, we can think of games as self-justifying, like you know, music and, 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 and literature and, 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 and painting doesn't have to be for things. They can, they can just be. And um, that's something that comes up a lot. Do you think that a lot, of, um, a lot of the commercial games industry, that's all they do is try to make, justify games? Well, I mean, I, I guess for the commercial games industry, games are, are machines to produce capital, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, you know, a game is good if it, is, um, if it's, if it sells well. Uh, and it's you know if it's if it's critically acclaimed, that just means that um, it's sold well. Right? It's kind of an equivalence. Your Metacritic score is is your bank account. That, that's sort of the the negative perspective of business, right there. I mean, if, if you look at it like the positive version of business is business provides value, and so money is just a way of measuring that. Oh, by the way, we provided a, a product, a game that was valuable to users. It serves some need. It's much more utilitarian, but it's not necessarily just the money is not the end goal. The end goal is to provide value. Money is just like a way of keeping score. Right. So I think if Eric were here, and I'm thinking about what Eric would say, right? right? I, I uh, love that. I love your role-playing Eric. I'm role-playing Eric. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see if I can... I don't think I want to try to sound like Eric. You but, need to you move know. more Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, Eric would you know, maybe point, at, point to the fact that uh, we don't necessarily ask about the value of art in terms of like, how many hours of enjoyment it gives us or, or how much, how much uh, wealth it produces. And what would it feel like if we let games do... Well, I think, I think that's a do. lie. Because as an artist, like, artists are insanely... Artists are all small businessmen. They're all entrepreneurs. And, like, they like to lie to people. They like to, like, they like to tell the artsy-fartsy audience, like, oh, I'm just doing this because this is what I feel. But if you look at the economics of, like, abstract art and modern art and so on and so forth, most artists are very, very conscious if they're successful artists or, they, or they're seen as successful artists. They're insanely uh, conscious of the economics of what they're doing. Fine art is a, is a, is a market. Fine art is a business. There's no question. It's a business yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I, would, I would say the, the most uh, that, that you got to qualify your earlier statement is fine by me, but, but there are certainly artists that, that explicitly address uh, that, they are, that they are businessmen. Uh, uh, what else is uh, her crystal skull? It's, it, is, it is literally just talking about that. Well, although, although her start is sort of, you know, also punking the whole idea of the art market by oh, also yeah. embracing it, like, you know, whole hog. It's, it's quite complicated. Yeah. But then again, there are artists who make things that aren't objects that can't be sold as a way to kind of respond to that system of merchandise. So if you can manufacture an experience as opposed to an object that can be bought and sold and that might accrue or lose value over time, that's something else to think about. What are the what are the um, sessions of people seen today that they'd like to talk about? Daniel, have you seen anything amazing? Oh, I haven't seen anything. I've been in meetings constantly. Like GDC, there's there's a theory of GDC, which is you come to GDC. Um, the first time and it's like amazing and overwhelming and you want to go to everything and then you go here for a few years and you start seeing themes and patterns and you're still growing and then at a certain point you kind of uh, graduate GDC Um, and and it's like oh wow I'm starting to see the same themes and patterns over and over again and at that point it becomes more about the community and it starts being like oh like here are people here are business partners here are friends here are people that you know I worked with for two years here but I never get to see them again Um, and this is kind of like this communal like get together talking meeting brainstorming the best meetings that I have are honestly um, 
doing crazy discussions late at night with uh, you know people who would never get a chance to work together anymore because is, is they've moved a, on to different paths. Is there a graduation ceremony? There should be. There should oh, be. Oh, there is. We just probably shouldn't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there is is something that we can we can talk to um, well everyone about, but but. Daniel Cook has actually been um, kind of in the news lately, and I was hoping that you'd be willing to talk a little bit. Your um, uh, your business partner at Spry Fox, David Eddery, gave a talk about this issue in video games um, that's called cloning. And uh, can you get us caught up a little bit on uh, on what happened with your game Triple Town? I can't talk too much about it. I can say th- th- there's a lawsuit going on uh, with uh, Six Waves Lol Labs. Um, and there's a whole wonderful thing on our websites that talk about exactly what, what went down. But uh, I, so I can't talk too much about that in, in, in specifics. But what I can say is that there's a trend going on right now where um, particularly innovative indie developers create a game. And we saw some of this with um, uh, Tiny, is it uh, Tiny Tower? Yeah. Um, and Tiny Tower came out with this game, and it was reasonably innovative, and it was very popular. And then shortly afterwards, uh, Zynga came out with one that was extraordinarily similar. Um, and then they're going to use their very, very impressive marketing and distribution capabilities to try to, to uh, establish their version of the game as the dominant brand in that in that particular market space. So, so to get listeners caught up, this giant um, social gaming company called uh, Zynga, they have how many hundred million, 200 million users or something insane. And uh, when Daniel's talking about um, this marketing machine that they have, each one of their games promotes the next one. So they have this enormous advantage over these smaller developers um, in that they can inject something into the, an, an artery, into their giant um, marketing uh, beast, and it can just... Um, it, there's a lot more opportunity for them to make um, you know, something, a, a giant business. And unfortunately, it seems, in the case of this quote-unquote clone, that um, they took very specific ideas and um, their goal was to plug that into their their big machine uh, for their own benefit. Maybe what we could do is we could take the blog posts you're talking about and run them through a text-to-speech thing and just insert (laughs) them in the show at various... That would work, I think. Um, Alex, what's GDC like as a journalist? Um, A very full schedule and running uh, between appointments. Um, a huge amount of disappointment, actually. Uh, oh, this is to go real from one. Sw- Could you- that be the, the the branding for this year's GDC? <laughs> what did that say? Disappointment and heroin. Oh, disappointment and heroin. Like a huge disappointment. It's, it's, okay, so no, I'm not no, talking no. about disappointment the and heroin never go together. <laughs> so, so like last night, uh, I, I don't know if anybody here was at the uh, EA uh, SimCity event last night. I was not there. Which, no. um, which, which Twitter, Twitter apparently went, went a bit wild about because. Um, EA chose to uh, announce a new game but not show it, but then to, to, to get people to talk about the new game, or to talk about games that weren't necessarily connected with games and lots of journalists, you see as a journalist you kind of, you want news and you want quantification and you want to see things and, and uh, it's very hard to write stories when, when all you're getting is kind of spiel and, uh, and so Although I went to a session this morning um, on Glassbox that, uh, which is the new engine that right. Maxis has made and they paid for that session, right? They're these sponsored sessions you can buy at the conference. So they, but, but that was like content rich with explanations of their their system and how it works. It's like only only Maxis would pay for a session in which they provide interesting technical details about their exactly. hardware. Exactly. Yeah. So so last night, um, from what I understand, they unveiled SimCity and then bought the like the founder of Twitter out. Is that it's right? It's a Biz Stone. And, right. Um, uh, is it David Guggenheim who is uh, the uh, the director of um, an inconvenient truth uh, came out to talk about well social issues and games. I, I I don't really know. It was part of the Game Changers track, which is kind of an interesting uh, sort of serious games kind of, uh, sort of discussion points. But um, this didn't seem to really add too much to the um, argument, nor to really reveal what SimCity was about. Uh, and it, was, it was just you could feel the mood in the crowd kind of turn. And uh, as soon as there was a sort of convenient break, everybody, which was Biz Stone's rival, everyone left. So, um, so there's that. And then um, yeah, the, another example is today, a uh, press release for, uh, sorry, a press conference by Epic, where the rumours were, oh, 
I don't know how substantiated they were, but the rumours were that it was going to reveal uh, Unreal Engine 4. Well, I, I think I, I, th I thought that they'd, they'd sort of strongly, they themselves had strongly suggested it. Well, I right. started questioning why I understood that at all. Right. You know, uh, uh, and it turned out that by the, at the end of it, uh, Mark Rain happily, joyfully, in fact, announced that yes, they were showing it to developers, but um, not to anyone else. <laughs> so it was another rumour about this. <laughs> Disappointed journalist. So, 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 so here's a question. Here's a question that I have um, for someone who's in the press. Like traditionally, there's been this relationship where the game studios essentially use the press as a mouthpiece for their public relations. Absolutely. And uh, there's there's entire companies that are built on like basically regurgitating with a more gamer friendly spin um, uh, marketing materials. And as someone who works in that, and who works at, at a, uh, a magazine that is is rather good ab about uh, you know having original reporting, like what is your take on that that relationship? It's 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 hard, and it's getting harder. Um, uh, there's a lot of money goes into making games, uh, and there's a lot of money spent on trying to control the way that those games are communicated uh, before and then even after release. So. Um, as an independent journalist, you are constrained. Um, I, I think a lot of that's why the, 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 the rise of indie games has been so exciting, um, in part for, um, for journalists, is that you're suddenly able to talk to people and you know people like people like you. You you are happy to talk about what you make at all stages. You uh, obviously you, you you want to you, you know you. You, it must be hard from your point of view to, to make sure that you're talking about things at the right point for you, but from our point of view, it's great to, to have that um, freedom and to be able to kind of to talk about the creative process and um, you know where there isn't a, a defined kind of uh, discussion line that um, you've got to follow. Well, you're, you're forced to follow because there's no other information. So this is only the first day, and that means there's a second day at least. Uh, we asked. All of you, I think, to have a look at the sessions you would be excited about tomorrow. Does anyone have anything they're particularly excited about on Thursday? I noticed the programs have hastily yeah. come yeah. out. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in hearing about how someone got their mom to play Plants vs. Zombies. Wasn't that one of the ones you wrote down, Anne? Uh, yes, I like basically that. Those are the kinds of ones that totally interest me. If you can make. The heading of the of your session that interesting and kind of funny, then you're probably going to be all right to like listen to. Would you, would you say? Yeah, I I think that's true. I, I also just I think a lot of the reason that we get in conversations uh, like our games art to an extent has to do with a generational gap that I, that I'm hoping will be addressed uh, in in that talk. Um, how would you get your mum to play? Plants vs. Zombies, or does she already, maybe? I, I've given up. Oh, okay. <laughs> My mom has a very strict understanding of productivity. The um, Plants vs. Zombies um, session tomorrow is actually being delivered by George Fan, who is the creator of that game. So it's, it's uh, PopCap's model of developing games. Sorry, like that's quite... yeah, and I was going to say, so that's how you get your mum to play, is you invent it. Mm. Presumably. Presumably that's why she plays. <laughs> you have to invent well, yeah. the game. It, it doesn't actually work. Like, uh, I've, I've made many games and my mother doesn't play them either. Mm. But <laughs> mothers will always ask how to play or what they're about or what the whole thing is. Like, just explain it to me. Like, no, it's a game. Sorry, there's, it doesn't get explained like that. Yeah. My parents have certainly given all, all of the games that I've worked on a try. Um, but... My yeah. mother calls me and asks, but then again, I make very strange games, I suppose. What is this exactly? You have to explain that to me next time I see you. Yeah, I'm sure the cow flicker was, was probably like a 30-minute explanation. Yeah, well, luckily, some people wrote about that, and I could just point her to the, the stories. Yeah. I, Mark, just, I just saw, excuse me, Steve, but I just was looking at the schedule, and I saw a very compelling title for one that we're covering. It's called, When the Consoles Die, What Comes Next? Let's answer that now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> iPad 3. There you go. It, it's like super, super high-end machine. It's Think of it as a personalized television that you can use while, you're, while your spouse or family is actually uh, involved with something else. It's got a crazy, crazy high-end 3D video card. So it's in, in terms of like a hardcore, beautiful, immersive experience, it's got it all. Why would you actually want to use a console these days? Isn't that just a console? Yeah. 
Well, yeah, that's a good question. What is a console? Why is the iPad 3 not a console? Uh, so yeah. it, it is a, a console is traditionally a deeply closed platform right, right. that is intended solely for games. And if you look at the iPad, the iPad is a media consumption device of which games are one of the dominant which categories. Which is only sort of kind of a little bit closed in a weird way. Yes. Yeah. You look, at, you look at Xbox and PS3 now, you know, they, you know, you can look at Facebook and watch videos. Right? Which I do all the time, as I'm sure all of you do. Look yeah. at Facebook on your Xbox. Yeah. And even the Vita, one thing I, I interested, noticed that was interesting about how they were kind of branding it as something that it was sort of expanding past the platform model is they it, each Vita comes with kind of like a suite of... Uh, what they call apps. And those apps are games, but they're calling them apps as a way to kind of reach past the traditional gamer market, sort of reach out to people who are who are maybe interact with games in a more casual, social, short-term sort of way, as opposed to those like dedicated console gamers. But I think that's probably part of the answer to the how to get your mum to play Plants vs. Zombies thing, is to maybe not just call it a game, because the word game has such strong emotional resonance that it's not always positive. There's also a huge stigma, I would say. Well, what are you going to call it then? An app. So- solitaire. Call it solitaire. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean... Uh, and my mum's a bit of a strange case because she imports like DS games from Japan, and yeah, it's <laughs> it doesn't surprise me. No, it's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's 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 slightly uh, slightly hard because uh, my view on this is skewed by by that. But I feel like, like we say, like call it solitaire. Or, you know, everyone plays solitaire, and solitaire's a good game as well. Like that's why people play it. I don't like. I saw someone tweeting the other day, uh, you know, oh, just, just saw a businessman on the Solitaire's train not really a good playing game, is it? Solitaire. It's okay. It's Solitaire. totally playful. Like, I, I, I love it. Like, okay. so. All right. I really like multiplayer Solitaire. Mm. Has anyone space. tried Solitaire Blitz? No. Popcap's new Solitaire game. One minute of Solitaire game. No. What's that? No. It's very, you know, so, so it's basically solitaire, but you've got a minute to do it. So oh, yeah, that's I know, I was mission. playing, there's, a, there's a, uh, a golf game, I, know, I forget the name of it, but it's basically golf, applied, solitaire applied to golf. And there are, you know, there are so many variations sure. to solitaire, it's hard to say well, apparently solitaire there's, is a bad like game. 300 variations or something. Or well, but Klondike Solitaire is the one that's installed in all sure. three billion installs of Microsoft Windows. Yeah, but yeah. I, doubt, I doubt this person who I was about to say, was, was, they were tweeting in a, a derogatory sense of saying, yeah, I just saw a businessman playing Solitaire on the You know, it's not 1995. What are you doing? Right. But, but they've no idea which version of Solitaire they're playing. That could be an elegantly, you know, one rather, elegantly designed one rather than the random Klondike, you know, thing that's just wasting time. Um, well, is it wasting time if you're having fun? No. I, I often get in arguments about the game Tic Tac Toe. Right. Which, which is... Which you is, often do? Yeah. Because uh, I, I hear many, many different people suggest that that is the worst game uh, in the entire world. Um, and it, it, is, it is quite a boring game uh, when you maybe are, I don't know, 8 or, or 10 years old. But before that, it's a really, really quite brilliant game um, because you haven't figured out that there's one strategy to win yeah. and uh, stalemates are going to happen all the time. Um, but it, it's only broken for the people who, uh, who have figured out those things um, and are capable of, of critically thinking about the game in that way. Uh, one, of the, one of the terms we use is headspace. Like, how much room do you have to grow in mastering a game? And uh, I think the limit of tic-tac-toe is it just doesn't have a lot of headspace. So if you're young and you're just figuring out games for the first time, it's like, wow, it's really exciting while you're learning. But then once you stop learning, it kind of loses its joy. Yeah, you can, you should a super robot would probably find triple town boring because, like, you know, for a, you know, for a, the ultimate logical mind, you know, there's going to be a lot of headspace. Yeah, absolutely. Though, though there are people who are, like, threatening to create an AI to solve Triple Town and I can't <laughs> wait to see that we were, we were talking about this the other day uh, with as it pertains to certain Wii games hmm. that sometimes people say that the uh, it doesn't matter whether those Wii games are registering exactly what you're you know you're meant to be putting in or whether it feels like it's a slightly random thing because as long as the person playing is enjoying the game then maybe that's all that matters but I think you were saying that that's true but they're not necessarily games. Well, yeah, I think a lot of technologies uh, have a great toy potential, and mm-hmm. I think that, that differentiating toys from games is, is a relatively important thing, and I think uh, one of the things that, that 
I tend to think of at least in interactive, uh, in interactive experiences that are digital and computer games, that having a, some sort of rigorous system um, that, that underpins the game is a pretty strong requirement in my mind for, uh, for something that I consider a game, but uh, I'm willing to be challenged on that. Would you call Dear Esther a game? Hmm. Sure. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it calls itself a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that um, uh, we can ask Ian about one of his favorite topics. <laughs> oh, God. Are we, are we gonna? Are we gonna you, do this? Go ahead. Just, okay. You know, just get All right. With. How about um, there's something called gamification. Oh right. Yeah. I've heard Will of you? Um, he has a lot of favorite topics, so he yeah, didn't. No, he wasn't I, sure I, I which one. wasn't sure which one it was gonna be. Yeah. yeah but let, <laughs> well, uh, let's let, let's give you points for guessing what your favorite topics are. Then. Or a badge. <laughs> yeah, or badge. Right. Yeah. Right. You can you can just stitch the badge directly into my flesh. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, so so can can you explain like this uh, for people that might not understand that weird and. Um, uh, odd term uh, gamification. Um, how do you see what? What is that? Well, well, I mean, uh, th- so gamification is a term that um, a group of marketers have invented to describe the process of taking what they perceive to be the features of games, which usually amount to things like points and, uh, and achievements and leaderboards, and applying them to other parts of life, but particularly business. You know, so mar- you know, marketing or or or, or, or what have you. Um, in order to make those experiences more "quote unquote" fun and enjoyable, but that's a, a not a bad, only somewhat cynical definition of what what that term refers to in the world. Do you love or hate gamification? Well, I I, um, I, I try as best I can to hate as much as possible, just because it's an interesting exercise when everyone loves everything to ask, well, what might be wrong with it? But in this case, um, and I think this is related to Eric Zimmerman's talk that we were we were we were discussing earlier. The, the issue with gamification is twofold. One is this, this sort of a, sort of bad essentializing, right? The thing that get, that makes games games, or that you get points, that you, you know your progress is measured, or that you can um, that you can have a score that can be measured against others, um, which doesn't seem to be uh, central to the experience we have when we play games. Um, but then, secondly, that the only thing that's good about them, or the most useful thing about games, is that we can take them or take these a- aspects of them and get them to make you buy more cereal or something. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, also distressing. Is, um, is is it distressing because it's taking something that maybe people consider something pure, like having fun, and kind of bastardizing it into a commercial tool? Well, there, I mean, there's lots of ways to look at it and and be disappointed. One is one is the the, the commercialization of um, uh, of games as an experiential medium. Another is uh, mistaking what may be incidental properties of games for primary ones, or or maybe better. Um, the claim that these incidental properties are the primary ones in, in the interest of convenience, um, the, the kind of um, the kind of way that our, our world has become one in which um, real incentives or real interactions are being um, abandoned in favor of, of virtualized ones. So you know, one of the I was just talking to somebody about gamification the other day, and one of the questions people are starting to ask is, you know, if you work if you're working, if you have a job, can we not pay you or otherwise reward you? But instead, sort of give you these script points for for performance, which is you know like slightly disturbing, isn't it? Um, so you know, I think you have to look at gamification not as just just one thing, but as part of a kind of larger series of of trends in which we um, everything we do becomes um, a kind of metric um, that we're trying to optimize, and the way that we optimize that is usually by by kind of removing as much human experience as possible. Whether that experience is fun or not doesn't really matter to me, yeah. but rather that. Um, the thing, the thing that was um, uh, beautiful and uh, and strange about it, is stripped away in favor of um, you know, usually commercial interests, but also other kind of instrumental interests. Like education is another area where gamification has been really hot, and it's just as disturbing to me there. So, so I've actually worked on gamification style projects. I don't know. Have you ever played? Uh, we made one called Ribbon Hero. Yeah, yeah, I know Ribbon Hero. Um, and I'd be curious about your opinion of it, but. The basic idea was um, a lot of people have immense difficulty understanding where the hell things are in Microsoft Office. Um, they've introduced new UI. There's a lot of people struggling, like, how do, you know, how do I make things bold? How do I go and I find this particular style option? And so what we said is, like, well, hey, this is kind of like a hide-and-seek game or, like, you know, a hidden object game. 
let's go and create a series of challenges where people right. go through these exercises, which are these little mini games, and figure out where stuff is. Yeah. And instead of them being frustrated in the middle of, you know, like, I'm trying to do this thing and I'm frustrated, instead of their own free will, they go out and they, they do these little mini games and, and, and figure out uh, office. Yeah. Actually, we had a talk about Ribbon Hero in the, the Game IT Summit that I was uh, partly running oh. on Monday. Um, so it's an interesting project, but uh, I think what's interesting about it is precisely that it's not like gamification, right? Yeah. It's like, well, what's the style of, of constrained experience that you can have with Office that allows you to practice these, these little tasks, yeah. right? Um, and it's not trying to be the best game, right, Ribbon Hero. It's just, here's a way of, um, of asking a very small, very modest question. How can, I, how can I get a little bit, you know, how can I feel more comfortable with this productivity software? Whereas the rhetoric of gamification is, th this is the answer, right? This is, this is the way we will now it's It's, over, it's oversold. Yeah. And, and having done multiple of these projects, one of the interesting things that I see is it's sold as a silver bullet. Um, and like you say, only the superficial elements of a game are, are sold. So they, they'll often sell feedback, like games are about multiple things. There's usually some sort of core loop, like the user does an action, it goes into a black box, the black box has some sort of cool, interesting, clever system that you're going to be figuring out, and then it gives you feedback, and it's like, oh, feedback, you got points, you got a badge, but the feedback is really only meaningful in context of that system you're trying to figure out. And then the feedback goes into your brain, and your brain says, ooh, I'm going to update my mental model, and then you do a new action, and you go through this loop over and over and over again. And I think people are, like, the gamification things that I've seen, they mistake the feedback for the game. No, that's, that's dead on. One of, the, yeah. one of the ways I've been, I mean, I have, a, have a number of ways of reframing gamification. Yeah. One of them was to call it exploitationware. Right. But another one that maybe is even better is that, you know, it's just a fancy name for kind of real-time analytics. So if you give people uh, better visibility to data systems that describe their performance in different contexts, that's neither new nor tremendously um, revolutionary. Uh, it might be useful, though. But yeah. then you don't have this kind of big banner to, to, to display. Like, I know you've also been involved in serious games, which is sort of coming from a similar place to right. some degree. And uh, one of the immensely tricky things that I've seen is game, game making games out of everyday things involves redesigning the interaction loop at a very fundamental level. Like if you look at Twitter, Twitter is a game to a certain degree, right? But they've re-engineered the interaction loop of talking to people, so it's this super, super tight, you know, short, short, short interactions, lots and lots of feedback from a wide range of people, and they've basically re-engineered email to be this very, very tight interaction loop. And to go from email to Twitter is a giant process re-engineering thing. It's essentially an entirely new company. So the companies that come in and say, all right, I want to have the magic bullet that changes my company for the better, really what they're asking is, I want you to re-engineer all the processes in my company to have this incredibly tight loop. Yeah, but they'll never do that, of course. So instead, what, yeah. what, the, what, the, what the consultants say is, uh, we can make it appear as though you're re-engineering all those processes by simply applying this, this middleware solution that you can buy out of the box from us. It's kind of a sham. It is a sham, yeah. You guys definitely get some badges for those answers. <laughs> are, are there any other badges that should be awarded at GDC, Chris? Oh, let's uh, gamify the conference. Yeah, let's, let's award let's, some achievements. Yeah, what, what are some I guess I guess part of the thing is that it seems like we've got a good mix of people here, and everyone wants to try and get something different out of coming to an event like this. So for you, uh, I mean, you want great stories, right? Yeah, I want great stories. I want um, few typos. <laughs> um, just a very small list of things. And no, no, like, um, I, I didn't really sell Gamma Sutra very well at the beginning, but what, what we really want to do is, um, you, you know, when I come here as a journalist, is to listen to all these um, intelligent people that are talking about something that they're very passionate about, put it on, uh, put it on the Internet, and um, hopefully other intelligent people that think a lot about video games and commit a lot of their time to video games, hopefully they'll find some kind of value in, in what we publish. So, uh, yeah, that'd be a really long, like, um, description for an Xbox achievement, for example. I don't think it would fit on the screen. <laughs> I know that yesterday uh, we had, from your side of things, we had Lee Alexander on the uh, on the podcast who was boasting about knocking out five stories or something. That was she, her achievement. Okay, thing. now, she calls herself um, Revolver Ocelot. 
And Revolver Ocelot is is a character in a video game series called Metal Gear Solid, one of her favorites. Um, but basically, um, she will write up a one-hour um, talk, and uh, through some kind of weird um, uh, freakish physical ability... She Time, ca- space manipulation, maybe? <laughs> I, it, it could be. Some science could be involved in there. Um, Probably Bloody Marys. Yeah, yeah, yeah Bloody Marys. Yeah, lots of Bloody Marys. And, uh, and yeah, she's, she like just puts these stories up, and they're just these big, beautiful, well-written pieces. So what are you looking to get out of the conference, Matt? I, I love hearing people talk about what they make, um, and I love people uh, talking about what they make in excited and, and passionate ways. And I often see the experience of going to talks as, as a way to get sort of, to an extent, arbitrary information into my brain, which, which is always a good thing. When you're working on a, a single product for a really long period of time, you, you tend to you know, uh, get, make all of these assumptions about, about the way the product works and, and how you're going to push things forward and what, what the design principles are. And it's, it's great to be exposed to completely different perspectives because it just it, it throws my brain into a much more creative space and, and lets me uh, sort of get out of, of my, my habits and routines. So maybe, maybe we award you an achievement for going to 10 conference uh, lectures or, or, or just getting three ideas or something like that? Sure. Uh, there we go. Sure, again. Sarah, as a curator, uh, what do you hope to get out of the conference? I'm really looking forward to seeing new work to possibly feature in exhibitions or to make some writing about. Um, I have a couple studio, well, quote-unquote studio visits scheduled for this trip. Uh, so a bunch of artists and game designers are going to show me what they're working on and, and hopefully we'll be able to find a cool way to share it with other people. Uh, did you find anything in the schedule that you'd recommend to our listeners? Oh, um, I'm really looking forward to the micro talks tomorrow afternoon. Mary Flanagan is speaking, and she's amazing. As far as I'm concerned, she's she's maybe the foremost scholar in terms of the field of art and games. Her book, Critical Play, is a really, really fantastic resource in terms of talking about how games um, can be art, and they have been art for over 100 years. And so not just games as the objects but also games as experiences can be art so and micro talks are abbreviated versions of bigger yeah, talks, I, right? I think they're they're five or ten minutes they're okay. five maybe um heather keller's talking too and she's gonna maybe talk about she's an artist and she's she's done some great work and richard lamarchan's gonna be speaking as well the create who the one of the lead level designers of uncharted 3 and he he's very thoughtful and when it comes to art and games Alex, for you, is, is, this, is this place about attending sessions or is it about hunting down stories? <laughs> hat, you know, pork pie hat on head. Yeah. yeah. Um, two things, really. Uh, I want to give readers a sense of being here. I think there's a... From, from people who don't come to the, the conference, there's a real kind of magic to it. It's this sort of... It's the place where all the people that make the stuff that, that, that gamers love uh, come together and, and with this sort of great storm of ideas. They don't know the reality, which is kind of like more or less chaos but um, <laughs> but you know lots of awesome stuff happening all over the place but I want to give them the sense of being here because I think there's a lot of interest in that and also I personally want just to meet and talk to people it's important to know what people are thinking and, and why and there's almost nothing of any conversation I have will I ever write about distinct, you know, distinctly but, but it's all useful stuff for the ensuing year it's all this off the record I, I won't repeat anything that we've said <laughs> okay, today we won't, we won't tell a soul <laughs> Um, uh, how many exclusives have? Ex- sorry, how many exclusives have There's you? There's no such thing as an exclusive. Well, you th- you'd say that, <laughs> but earlier on the show, how many do we have? Three. Three, Three exclusives. Yeah. I think I don't know. Do you count the one about the the shoes that guy was wearing? Yes. Four. And what about the man with the hats? There's a man. I saw him just over there, just like two seconds ago. Have you seen the man with the hats? No. I He's have. Six trilbies. on piled on top of each other. He's haunting me. Everywhere <laughs> I go, he's there. <laughs> There he is. Yeah. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's, a, he's is literally the foremost across the venue hall. for eccentric headgear. That's, that, he doesn't exist, does too. he? He does exist. He's been documented. He's on the internet now. Don't look at him. He doesn't like no, attention. <laughs> Let's all turn around and stare at him. <laughs> Let's um, get him on the show. And Dan, you've been uh, you've been speaking. So is that is that what you were most hoping to get out of this? Your achievement is is talking nonstop for half an hour. Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, I, I gave my speech. So I was very happy about that. And. Um, now it's just a matter of meeting teams. Like this, this is uh, you know meeting meeting developers that I don't get a chance to see. Like uh, after this, I'm going to the uh, IGF awards, 
and we've got a game, Realm of the Mad God, that's up for a Technical Excellent Award, so I get to hang out with the, our team, and uh, we all work remotely normally, so we just don't get to see each other face-to-face very often, so that's that's an exciting time. I think that what we're hearing, I think, from everyone is that it's GDC is as much about the social aspect as anything, so maybe there's a tagline for us. It's a social conference, but that'll just... Yeah, like um, five hangovers, achievement, unlock. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, what's the what's the best party then this week, Chris? Oh, I think that you know the answer to this, Steve. You and your leading questions. <laughs> <laughs> what's the best radio Shoddy show, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> Who's the handsome, most handsome man on the radio show, Chris? <laughs> Don't answer that one. Uh, so, so no. What what is the best party? What, what what are the parties that people should try and go to at GDC? Well, there, there, there's one tonight, um, and I think that you could give a better description of that, but. Uh, but, um, so, so Chris is, is referring to the uh, party, the Venus Patrol party. That's yeah. That's as we uh, people keep approaching us, going, are you, are you guys going to the Venus Patrol party tonight? And we and Venus Patrol are, are bringing the least to this party as far <laughs> like as, as far as I can make out, aren't they? We're bringing, bringing karaoke. We are. Wild Rumpers are bringing indie games. Venus Patrol are bringing Brandon Boyer. <laughs> <laughs> who, who couldn't even bring himself to be on to this he show? Meant to be this on show. This show. So he probably won't be there tonight. <laughs> exactly. But it's still the Venus Patrol party. Yeah. We'll be doing video game karaoke, uh, which is very exciting yep. for us. We've done it before. Yep. Looking forward to doing it again. But, but aside from that, because obviously it's sold out, if, if you can't get to the hottest party in town this evening, <laughs> where should you be going? I don't know. Sometimes I just uh, sit in my hotel room with a bottle of uh, Johnny Walker. <laughs> <laughs> what, and you're suggesting we come and join you? <laughs> yeah, come on down See to you Palomar. <laughs> Sounds okay. Uh, Lee was saying that the best thing you can do at GDC, and I guess any event like this, is not panic about, oh my goodness, I've got to get to... Well, the example she used was the Ubisoft party. Not that she had anything against Ubisoft. Didn't sound very good, though, did it? (laughs) She just said, can't panic about that. The the most important thing is just to find your friends, go to a bar, and stuff will happen. I I would say just... um you know, get a bottle of Johnny Walker and just <laughs> Johnny Walker in the is the now enjoying all sorts of uh, free publicity the official, official booze of GDC <laughs> so uh, we, we don't seem to be much closer to arriving on a theme for the conference, does anyone have any suggestions does anyone notice oh, there, any there tracks? Something, there was something, there was something. I only noticed it on the first day and it hasn't been corroborated since but I, I'd say this is the theme of the show right? Um, there's a, uh, I think there's a sort of a there's a sense that um, the, 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 the games have been working towards becoming very, very accessible as, accessible as possible over the past few years uh, with great results. But I think there seems to be a movement back to trying to make games that are also give really uh, long-lasting worth uh, and allow people to, or their players, to, to, to feel them out for themselves, not to be so prescriptive, I suppose, is the thing. I've heard a couple of people talk about it now. Um, last week, um, Peter Molyneux uh, at a Microsoft event was saying that um, that he wanted um, people to, to play the Fable of the Journey and just to not to be told how to use the controls, but to feel them themselves. And some people at the Indie Games uh, Conference were saying similar things. And I, I, I hope that might be something that comes out. So, so Peter Molyneux was saying all that whilst he was plotting to leave. Yeah. Wasn't he? Yeah, he's he's <laughs> going to finish the game, he said. Right. It's, it's, uh, Sorry, because we don't have a news section right, yeah. on this part of the show, I don't know any of this. Peter Molyneux left Microsoft, or leaving Microsoft. He didn't tell me. Well, this is, yeah, he's off to set up a new, um, a new Studio 22 Cans, is that, is that what it's called? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah what, that's a terrible what, name. Why did he choose, well, presumably it's because the URL's still available. Only, right, only right. bad names are left yeah, for companies. Right. Um, Maybe we could get the XXX domain. <laughs> exactly. Um, why, why do you think he chose today to do it? Because it wasn't, or why did he choose today to announce it? Because it's not part of the show, is it? Peter Molyneux was leaving. Was, that, was, was, that was a session. No, he, <laughs> Peter Molyneux resigned. Kind of, in a way, because um, um, he had a uh, session scheduled, and I see this on the schedule builder for this conference. Right. And then I wanted to talk to him, um, and then it was, you know, and now he, I wanted to get him on the show, actually. Right. Um, and then I looked, and it was cancelled. And then Microsoft told me that he's not coming anymore. And then this happens, and I was like, ah, mm. Right, so what other sessions have been cancelled? Who's leaving? Let's just, yeah, let's just leave. Yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We, we were told earlier that Will Wright is on the uh, programme, but under a pseudonym. Yeah. He did that last year, didn't he? did he? that one well. year, yeah. Did he? We posited 
It do. might be won't wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you get that? <laughs> what, what, do, what do you think Chris's face told us about that? <laughs> maybe, maybe that was a weak joke. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We're, we're entering the final uh, part of the show now. We've only got ten minutes left. So, Alex, uh, are there any more press conferences or announcements you're expecting over the next couple of days? Uh, well, there's the there's the rumoured Steam box the GameCube 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 2 nice Uh, uh, but I don't know when that might you you wouldn't be surprised if that's announced during the show it would seem to be a good place to do it okay Uh, maybe no I don't think it's going to happen they would want to talk to developers we could wait we could wait a day and see yeah 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 Yeah. I honestly have no idea I mean we had four exclusives today, and we do have a Valve representative on the show on Friday. Mm. Can't, you know, yeah, can't read talk into that. About and it. Read into that what <laughs> you, you guys will. draw your own conclusions. Yeah. Uh, we don't know. Yeah. No, we don't know. So, anything else? You're trying to think what's going on tomorrow. Give me a minute. Okay. <laughs> but, take, take your time. <laughs> To a certain degree, like these big announcements are the least interesting thing about GDC. Like that's that's what E3 is for. That's what these big marketing events is for. Right. This is about right. this is this is a show about developers, not about goddamn PR. Yeah. I, I think yeah. that um, GDC is going back to that because you know if you look back at the history of GDC, we tried that a couple times to do a big announcement, and they just come off as super cheesy in front of people that are professionals in the games industry. Um, so this year, we don't even have, quote-unquote, keynotes. We don't right. have a big Nintendo right. executive announcing Netflix for 3DS. Not that there was anything wrong with that. Oh, oh, that session got cancelled. <laughs> no, I mean, obviously, we're always happy to have Nintendo and, and, and all that, and they did some like talks here, but the people that come here want to listen to um, what uh, you know the creative people and, and what the people that do business in the games industry are saying. So now we're just doing um, keynotes by track. So you have audio keynote and uh, programming and, and things like that. So it's it, it just trying to focus on things that are actually you know applicable to the attendees' lives. So so yeah, that's uh, maybe yeah. that's one of the themes. Right, yeah. modesty. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, you've had your minute. There's nothing more. <laughs> no. But I think that there's, um, there seems to be a lot more uh, journalists this year than before, I, I think, judging by the, the how packed out the press room is. and Maybe the press room's smaller. <laughs> yeah. or, or the journalists are bigger. Or the Maybe journalists they're... are bigger. This is America. <laughs> we, 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 oh, sorry. Um, we, we can ask. Um, if the press room is smaller? If the press room is smaller. No, no, no we, we can ask maybe, um, uh, like Daniel asked Alex about, uh, you know, th- the press. Um, I'm wondering what your guys' view of the video game press is. Oh, God. This so, is going out at 11 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. Okay. So, 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 so this is, let's talk about metrics, right? Because that's, t- that's a huge topic. One of the things that I'm completely fascinated by, and I don't know how to react to this, so I grew up reading these magazines, like Next Generation magazine was like one of the first things that told me like, oh my God, people can write about games in an intelligent way. Uh, Gamma Sutra is like one of the things that I love. Um, and I look at the stories that come in about my games and I'm shocked at how little impact they make. Um, the, the way that we are getting users these days is not through press, especially for the type of games I make. And I'm, I'm working in all the non-traditional places. I'm working, you know, uh, Facebook, Google+, mobile, um, you, you name it, like open web. And the press and PR has very little effect on the success of the game or people's reactions to the game. What happens is there's we've entered into this world where there's actually a much more direct connection between the game developer who are running services actively, there's not a publisher between them, and the, and the game player. And they've got communities and forums and there's, there's real virality. It's not like pumped up, you know, like oh my god, pay attention to this game because it's cool type stuff going on. It's actually like people come in, it's free to play. They try the game, they like it or they don't based off their own personal experience as opposed to someone who's a, you know, an opinion maker. 
Um, and I've been just fascinated by that. And I love the press that we get, and it makes me warm and fuzzy, and I, and I really, really, really appreciate it. But then there's, there's starting to be this fascinating disconnect between the, the, the press ecosystem and the player ecosystem and how it actually translates into games. Because, yeah, players get to actually, uh, you know, if you buy an iOS game, there's the, the store allows you to put your comment on there. Uh, on Facebook, you'll, you have you can go to the Facebook page of the game and you can discuss with other players right there. And then, I mean, it... right. But I mean, there are different kinds of game press too, right? That you know, like Gamasutra is a trade publication. It's for the development, at least theoretically. I mean, anybody can read it, but it you know, stories are for anyone that can read English. Anyone read that can read English and yes, can tolerate a, a story that's longer than three hundred words. <laughs> um, and then there's the enthusiast press, and then there's the you know the the so-called mass media press that sometimes run a story on a game to prove that they can um, so if we just like limit um, limit ourselves to the the trade press the you know the, the stories about the games industry for those who are involved in the games industry um, I think you know one one thing that I'd love to see more of is just more more depth and engagement with, this, with these questions so like this controversy about cloning you know in, in all of its facets um, who's really Deep in, deeply diving into that question and covering it journalistically, N- nobody, nobody is. I don't. I don't think that's true. I mean, I'm not talking about like, what we've, we've we've written about it, but um, I think a lot of I think a lot of uh, publications have been engaging with the finding. Okay, well, it was a bad example then. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. Alex. I think that is like. Um, it, I think you can maybe make the argument that it wasn't like a deep dive, but there's definitely into the um, you know important issue of cloning. But there's definitely been a lot of um, stuff that we run on Gamma Sutra addressing the issue, so it's definitely a known thing in our readership. No, it's known. It's known. There's a kind of there's a risk of this sort of box ticking, right? Like we did a story on that that kind of came up today. Well, I mean, it, the, there's there's that. But here's, you know, here's a different way to put it. it, it there's not investigative journalism in the games right, industry. Yeah, there's very and, little. And and it's it's um, in something like video games, um, it, it can be difficult at times. It's um, difficult anywhere to do yeah. that kind of work. Yeah. I mean, to be fair. No, um, you're, I, I think you're right. Um, what, what about um, Matt? Um, your interactions with the with the press, and what, what do you think when when you uh, read? Do you read much games journalism at all? I read I read a fair amount of games journalism. I mean, I'm I'm more likely to, to read stuff that is that is aimed at developers, but I, I you know do read all the reviews of of. of Dance Central and any articles related to it. Um, likewise, the rest of the, the games that Harmonix makes. Um, you know, I, I think we're we're in a similar situation where the 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 average player of our game is actually not a, a, an enthusiast gamer. They're they're not someone who is going to read these reviews or care about a Metacritic score. And, and so, um, from that perspective, uh, I tend to see uh, at least review free feedback in in a, the uh, sort of enthusiast press as a very particular uh, perspective on on, a, on the game. And I think it's a valuable perspective and one that I that. I see as a great feedback loop that, that I can pull from where I want to. Um, but you know, when you're when you're making things for for broad audiences that aren't necessarily gaming enthusiasts, uh, the, the relevancy of that to to the thing you're making on a day to day basis isn't necessarily always there. Um, I think the other difficult thing in terms of investigative journalism is just like there are there are huge publishers and tons of companies making making games that have lots and lots of money, and as a as an enthusiast press, you want to be able to get these things we're talking about. We've said the word exclusive like 20 times uh, over the course of this hour. And the, the, the more investigative journalism you do, uh, yeah. the more likely it is that you will, will not get an exclusive next time. You'll get turned down for the exclusive. And I think that that, uh, that, that that's sort of somewhat uh, unavoidable in, in certain parts of the enthusiast for, press. For, yeah, for, for enthusiast press and um, like um, Alex, uh, he kind of uh, follows the developer and business side at Edge online, and um, I, I just, I just think that you know maybe when I first started doing it, I felt you know get the, that I couldn't. You, you, I don't know. You, you just get, you just do this long enough, and you don't care if you piss somebody off anymore. If you want to cut your ties with me, then that's like just some uh, because I'm trying to tell the truth about something. Then you know I, that, that's fine, and I don't want this relationship anyway. That's why we've been asking so many questions about shoes today. We just don't care. Like, we just so, don't honestly, care. if you don't want to talk to us anymore, whatever. But I, I think that that's an admirable position. Yeah. And, and look, I, 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 
I give you a badge. The, the shoes? The shoes? <laughs> okay, great, I got a badge. Who, who didn't get a badge? So, that's it. We've arrived at the end of our hour. Uh, we should thank you all. You've all been brilliant panellists. That's Chris, Matt, Ian, Alex and Dan. It's been uh, a really, really interesting hour, hasn't it? Oh, and Sarah, of course. Sarah left uh, halfway through <laughs> mm. in disgust. <laughs> she just couldn't stand it. I, I, I don't know if our listeners have been able to uh, hear, but the difference between this show and the last one was last time we had applause and this time we've got people dismantling GDC around us, <laughs> just clattering. So we better go before they dismantle us. Uh, but thank you very, very much thank for you. listening. And we will see you very, very soon. Bye. 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 One Life Left live at GDC was produced for Resonance 104.4 FM in association with Gama Sutra. The executive producer was Chris Graft. <laughs>